This is the Moira Pentecostal Church podcast, providing you with sound biblical teaching. New content will be available every week throughout 2015. We hope you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed by this ministry. Psalm 32. Psalm 32. There's a verse in here I just want to read to you in a moment. Uh, Psalm 32. Now as children growing up, most of us had a favorite place where we liked to play. Somewhere where we felt safe and secure and out of harm's way. A hiding place, in other words. Now, it might have been the garden shed. If you're well off, it may have been a treehouse. Sally's favorite place was underneath her grandest pigeon loft. My favorite place was I had a, there was a tree about two feet lengths from my home and there was a big hollowed out tree. And uh, just been in there for whatever reason, that was a hiding place. It was just a, a special place. Now, for some of you, perhaps it was your grand's bedroom or your auntie's parlor or somewhere like that. And in our naivety and innocence, we felt carefree, invincible, untouchable. Somewhere where we were in our own little world, our own wee bubble, as it were, at least for a little while. But then we all became grown up and we lost our naivety and our innocence. We put away our dolls and our toys and we entered into a world of pain and heartache and trouble and problems and sickness. A world that could be very heartless and cruel. A world of brokenness and hurt. And in such a world, we look for another hiding place. A place of relief and release from the tensions and the problems and the stresses of this life. Now, for some people, it could be their workplace. They bury themselves in their work. (coughs) For some of you, it would be an escape from the workplace. Other people, it's a leisure or a hobby that becomes an obsession. These are just some of the things and some of the places where we try to hide. Some wrap themselves around in all kinds of stuff and things. Some, unfortunately, to try to find a place to hide, looks to alcohol and to drugs. And all of these things, in a sense, is the pigeon loft or the hollow of a tree. We don't call it that, but in fact, that's what it is. It's somewhere where we want to hide away from the world and be alone. But thank God, Christians has got a true hiding place. And the hiding place is the Lord himself. Psalm 32, 7, you are my hiding place. You 
shall preserve me from trouble. You shall surround me with songs of deliverance. So for us today, we have a hiding place, a real, true, effective hiding place. Psalm 91, 102. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, and Him will I trust. Psalm 61, hear my cry, O God, attend to my prayer. From the ends of the earth I will cry to you when my heart is overwhelmed. Have you ever felt your heart overwhelmed? Maybe today, even at this Christmas period, maybe in the midst of all of the festivities, maybe your heart feels overwhelmed with what you're going through or what you're facing or what you've been coming through. Just every one of us at some point or other has faced that feeling where you're overwhelmed, where you're wondering, can I handle this? How can I get through this? When my heart is overwhelmed, the psalmist said, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For you have been a shelter for me, a strong tower from the enemy. I will abide in your tabernacle forever. I will trust in the shelter of your wings. The writer of the Proverbs says, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runs into it and they are safe. And so even from an early age, we felt the need to have a safe place, a hiding place, a carefree place, a bubble as it were. And even in this world that sometimes overwhelms us, where it's difficult we find to deal with stuff, we still look and we long for that hiding place. But thank God we have found it. Sometimes we need to be reminded that we have a hiding place. And so you are in his hands today. There's a hiding place of security. It's in his hands. In Isaiah 49, in verse 14 following, it says, But Zion said, The Lord has forsaken me, and my God has forgotten me. Do you ever feel like that? But Zion said, the believer, the Lord has forsaken me, the Lord has forgotten me. Sometimes when you feel overwhelmed, you may feel that. You may not actually say it, but you feel that. God, where are you in this? I can't sense you, I can't feel you. But Zion said, the Lord has forsaken me, and my Lord has forgotten me. But listen to the reply. Can a woman forget her nursing child and not have compassion on the son of her womb? Surely they may forget, yet I will not forget you. See, I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands. W.E. Vine, the, the great New Testament scholar, says that Jews had a custom of marking their hands or elsewhere a delineation of the city and the temple 
as a sign of their devotion to and perpetual remembrance of them. And so when they would go up to visit Jerusalem and visit the temple, often they would mark themselves on their hands or on their arms as a reminder of the place and of the temple. Then he goes on to say, the Lord graciously adopts this figure to confirm his assurance. I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands. Letting us know that he never forgets us and he never will forsake us. So on the cross, the nails, so to speak, forever engraved our names on the palms of his hands. Amen. In John chapter 10, John chapter 10. Well, let me just read it to make sense from verse 22. Now, it was the feast of dedication in Jerusalem, and it was winter. And Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. Then the Jews surrounded him and said to him, How long do you keep us in doubt? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. And Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me, and you do not believe, because you're not of my sheep. And as I said to you, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I will give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. What a safe place we have got today that we are in the hand of God. We're not in the devil's hand today. We're not in this world's hand today. We're not even in the government's hand today. In spite of all of the laws and everything that we have to comply with, at the end of it, we are still in God's hands. Now unto him, Jude said, now unto him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. The apostle Paul was imprisoned many times, but never once do you ever find he admitted that he was a prisoner of Rome. He always says, I am the prisoner of Jesus Christ. <laughs> even though his natural physical circumstances, even though he was in a dungeon with bars and guards, he still, it wasn't he was in denial. He knew exactly where he was. But he says, I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ. So it doesn't matter what Rome does to me or what Caesar does. I'm Christ's prisoner. What an attitude to have. What a hiding place to have. Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians 5.23, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. By the way, just as a little aside... That's just one of Paul's benedictions. There's lots of blessings in the benedictions. 
You know, if you go through the, <laughs> if you go through the, the letters of Paul and others in the New Testament and just read the benedictions, what blessings are in the benedictions? And that's just one of them. We are in his hands. We are in his arms. Deuteronomy 33, 27, the eternal God is our refuge and underneath are the everlasting arms. In Mark 10, little children crowd around Jesus and the disciples want to push them away. But Jesus says, no, let them come unto me. And I like what it says in, in Mark 10. It says that he picked them up in his arms and he blessed them. He didn't just say, bless you. He picked them up physically, picked them up in his arms and he blessed them. What a special moment that must have been for those children. There was something attractive about the Lord Jesus Christ and he wanted to bother with them. He wanted to hold them. He wanted to embrace them. There's something special about an embrace from someone who truly loves you, isn't there? There's something special about just being hugged by somebody who loves you. There's something comforting and loving and protective when a parent's arms is wrapped around their child. I don't know if you can apply this in every case, but somebody said that a child runs to its father when it's afraid and it runs to its mother when it's hurting. And I think there's some truth in that, isn't it? A child runs to its father when it's afraid, but it runs to its mother when it's hurting. God, in the Old Testament, one of his names was El Shaddai, which means the many-breasted one, the nourisher, the sustainer. In the New Testament, he's called Abba Father, Abba being that tender term like, like Daddy. That's what a literal translation means. I remember years ago, the late Princess Diana and how that her husband Charles at that time and her two little boys, her and William, uh, they were in Canada. They had gone there in the, in the, the royal uh, ship and uh, it was docked, and they had uh, been doing their, their official duties. And Diana was also doing official duties somewhere else, somewhere in Britain. But after two weeks, uh, and the plan was that she would go and catch up with them, which she did. I'll never forget it was on the news how that uh, she was brought there from the airport by limousine, obviously, and all the dignitaries were lined up, all the, everybody that was anybody was there to greet her. And uh, she got out of the limousine, and suddenly her two little boys, they're only little boys at the time, they were coming down the gangplank, and they spotted their mother. And they just ran over to her. And she broke all protocol. She was supposed to greet all these dignitaries who had been standing waiting for hours. She broke all protocol, <laughs> and she just sat down at her knee and just gathered them in her arms and kissed them and hugged them. And at that moment... She wasn't just the wife of the future king. At that moment, she wasn't just a princess. At that moment, she wasn't just a fashion icon for the tabloids. At that moment, she was just a mother 
embracing her kids. And there's something lovely and protective about a parent holding their children in their arms. I love that story in Luke 15, the story of the prodigal, and how that eventually when he came to himself out in the far country, he went back to his dad. In Luke 15 and 20, it says, And he arose, and he came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. Hmm. And the way that it's written in the original means that he smothered him in kisses. He was so pleased and thrilled that his son had come home. That it didn't matter how dirty he was. It didn't matter how raggled he looked. Raggled he looked. He ran and he hugged him and he kissed him and he embraced him. And what a picture of our God. Even though we did things that were shameful, and certainly his son brought shame to the whole family and to the whole village. But even though we did things that were shameful and against God and against our Heavenly Father, yet when we came to him, what did he do? He had compassion and mercy on us, and he embraced us, and he kissed us with his mercy and his compassion. What a wonderful God that we have today. It's wonderful. Elder brother didn't like it. Sure he didn't. But he says this, my son who was dead is alive, who was lost, and now is found. We are in his arms today. We are beneath his wings if hands and arms speak of provision and protection, surely wings speak of rest and peace. And that's where we are today, underneath the shadow of his wings. Psalm 63 and 7, In the shadow of your wings I will rejoice. Psalm 91 and 4, He will cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you shall take refuge and trust him. Not that God has got literal feathers. It's metaphorical, isn't it? But underneath his protective care. What a place to be today. And so we worry and we fret and we're fearful. We get anxious. And really the truth is, if we really understood and knew at that moment that we're really underneath his wings... We're in his arms. We're held by his hands. What a difference that would make. In Matthew chapter 23, in verse 37, Jesus is lamenting over Jerusalem. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her, how often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. See, your house is left to you desolate. 
For I say to you, you shall see me no more till you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. How I want it to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. They did not recognize the day of their visitation. And for this past 2,000 years, they have paid an awful price for that. Christ says, I wanted to gather you as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you would not. But one day they will. One day the Bible says they shall look upon him whom they have pierced. And one day they will own him as their Messiah, the one who they are looking for, who have never found him yet. But one day they will, even as a nation, they will find him. And they'll come underneath that great protection. Boy, they're going to need it too, aren't they? Ah. George Whitfield said, O Lord, I am never weary of thy work, but I am often weary in it. I'm never weary of thy work, but I am often weary in it. What does Jesus say? Come unto me, all you who are weary and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Even the great Whitfield, even the greatest servants of God at times felt overwhelmed and tired and weary. But thank God they too had a hiding place where they could go. And so you're forever beneath his wings, in his arms, withheld by his hands, and you're forever in his love. What love God has got for us today. Ephesians 3, Paul says, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height, and to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. How can you know something that passes knowledge? The only way you can know it is experientially. You mightn't be able to explain it and understand it, but you can experience it. And to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. God is love. And his Son is the manifestation and the personification and the revelation of the love of God the love of God wrapped up in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. What a Savior. What love he's got for us. In John 17, in his great prayer for the church, among many things he tells us there about wanting us to be one as he and the Father are one. But in John 17, Reading from verse 20. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. That's us. That they may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you. That they may believe that you sent me. 
And the glory that you gave me, I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one, I and them and you and me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that you have sent me, note this, and have loved them as you have loved me. If Jesus hadn't have said that, if it hadn't have been recorded by the Holy Spirit and the Word of God, you could not have believed this. This is beyond our comprehension that Almighty God would love His Son the way He loves us. That He loves us the way He loves His Son. No different. No different. That is an incredible statement and only that Jesus said it, we could not believe that. You have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Father, I desire they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which you have given me. For you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you, and these have known that you sent me. And I have declared them, uh, I've declared to them your name and will declare it, that the love which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. What incredible love the Father has for his children, that he loves you as much as he loves his own Son, the Lord Jesus. We are forever in his love. You can have his presence Psalm 16 11, you will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy, and at your right hand there are pleasures forevermore. It's hard for us on earth to imagine what it's truly like in heaven, isn't it? There's lots of books that's come out recently of people who claimed they have died and went to heaven for a period of time and have come back and told all kinds of stories. Make of that what you will. But the reality is, none of us truly know what it's truly like. The Bible, particularly in the book of Revelation, opens our eyes somewhat, but we still don't know. The apostle Paul said he saw things that he was not even allowed to tell another human being. But one thing we do know, one thing the Bible makes clear, that there is great joy in heaven that there will be no sorrow. There will be no more tears, for God will wipe away every tear from every eye. What a place that's going to be. Yeah. Psalm 31. Oh, how great is your goodness, which you have laid up for those who fear you, which you have prepared for those who trust in you in the presence of the sons of men. You shall hide them in the secret place of your presence. From the plots of man, you shall keep them secretly in a pavilion from the strife of men. Isaiah 35 and 10. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing, with everlasting joy on their heads, and they shall obtain joy and gladness and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. <laughs> in the parable of the talents, Remember, Jesus told about the man who gave his servants a certain amount of talents, to one he gave five, to one he gave two, to one he gave one. And go out and use those talents, he said. And I'll come back later. And when he came back, 
Lo and behold, the man who had the five talents had doubled those talents, and he had ten. And the man who had two talents went out and doubled his, and he had four. And the man who had only the one talent, he didn't do anything with it. He buried it. The Lord called him a wicked servant. But the one with the five and the one with the two, listen what Jesus said in the parable. Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. <laughs> what kind of joy has the Lord got? Joy unspeakable and full of glory. There's the odd time in this life, the odd time whenever we get a glimpse and a feeling of pure joy. Many times we feel happy feelings, but I'm talking about a pure joy feeling. Christ lives in the atmosphere continually of pure, unadulterated joy. And that's what we're heading for. Paul said to Romans in Romans 14, 17, the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Galatians 5, 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Notice how joy is a fruit of the Spirit. In Luke 15, where you have the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son, that trilogy of parables. Whenever the lost sheep was found and the shepherd came back, he says, rejoice with me. I have found the sheep that was lost. Whenever the woman who lost her coin from the little frontlet that she wore, the coins, which is part of the, her bridal dress, and whenever she swept the house and found it, she said to her neighbors, Rejoice with me, I found the coin. And whenever the prodigal went back, what did the father do? He threw a party, didn't he? He wanted everybody to rejoice. He wanted joy to be in the midst of the household. The Bible says there is joy in he heaven over one sinner that Repents. Do you understand that the day you get saved at that moment, there must have been an announcement in heaven when your name is put in the book of life and all heaven rejoiced that you got saved, that one sinner has got saved. Maybe that's why there is continual joy in heaven because continually, every moment of every day, every second, somebody in the world is coming to Christ and owning him as Savior. No wonder there's joy in heaven. Let me close with this. We mentioned earlier about we are forever in his love. George Matheson was only 15 whenever he was told that he was losing little, the little eyesight that he had. But not to be denied, Matheson continued with his plans to enroll in the University of Glasgow. And his determination led to his graduating at 19. But as he pursues graduate studies in theology for Christian ministry, 
he did become blind. His sisters joined ranks beside him, learning Greek and Hebrew to assist him in his studies, and he pressed faithfully on. But his spirit collapsed when his fiancée, unwilling to be married to a blind man, broke their engagement and returned his ring. He never married, and the pain of that rejection never totally left him. Years later, as a well-beloved pastor in Scotland, his sister came to him announcing her engagement, and he rejoiced with her, but his mind went back to his own heartache. And he consoled himself in thinking of God's love, which is never limited, never conditional, never withdrawn, and never uncertain. And out of this experience, he wrote that great hymn, O Love That Wilt Not Let Me Go. O love that wilt not let me go, I rest my weary soul in thee. I give thee back the life I owe, and in thy ocean depths its flow may richer, fuller be. He had a hiding place. In the midst of his hurt, disappointment, he had a place to hide. Old C. at Spurgeon one day was walking through the English countryside with a friend, and as they strolled along, the evangelist noticed a barn with a weller vane on its roof. And at the top of the weller vane were these words, God is love. Spurgeon remarked to his companion that he thought it was rather an inappropriate place for such a message. Weller vanes are changeable, he said, or God's love is constant. I don't agree with you about these words, Chard replied his friend. He misunderstood the meaning. The sign is indicating a truth. Regardless of which way the wind blows, God is love. <laughs> Depends how you look at it, isn't it? <clears throat> Regardless of which way the wind blows in your life today, whether it's a fair wind or whether it's a north wind, God is still love, and he still loves you. Rest in his hiding place today. Lord, we thank you that you have a place for us to come to. In spite of all the vicissitudes of life that would want to overwhelm us at times, there's a place where we can go and rest and be at peace. And we thank you for that. So we bless you today. We take comfort and strength and encouragement that your eye is always over the righteous and your ear is always open to their cry. And so, Lord, today, for those among us, perhaps today that has been feeling sad or hurt or down or anxious or worried or fearful, Lord, we thank you that you have provided a place for us underneath the shelter of your wings, held by your loving arms, held in your hands. So we give you thanks for this, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. You can also watch the Sermon of the Month video at youtube.com forward slash Moira Pentecostal or download the sermon video through our iTunes video podcast. For more information, visit us at www.mpc.org.uk. Thank you.